Episode number 82. How can it be that God's presence is going to go to Mitzrayim, to Egypt? We know that Egypt is the height of impurity, of immorality. Welcome to the Torah Podcast. Lessons from authentic Judaism. Get the tools and inspiration you need for personal growth. Hosted by Rabbi Mitterhoff. Shalom, this is Rabbi Eliyahu Mitrov with this week's Torah podcast. The Torah portion of the week is Vayigash, feeling God's presence. Where is he? We're going to have a powerful parable about a scratch on the sapphire, a great story about Rav Shach, and peace in your home influencing your family. And now, the Torah portion of the week with novel ideas from the classic commentaries. So right after Yaakov found out that Yosef was alive, Chapter 46 starts out like this. So Yisrael set out with all that he had and he came to Beersheba, where he slaughtered sacrifices to God of his father Yitzchak. God spoke to Yisrael in night visions, and he said, Yaakov, Yaakov. And he said, Here I am. And he said, I am the God, the God of your father. Do not be afraid of descending to Egypt, for I will establish you as a great nation there. I shall descend with you to Egypt, and I shall surely bring you up. And Yosef shall place his hand on your eyes. So Yaakov arose from Beersheba. The sons of Yisrael transported Yaakov, their father, and their young, and their wives, in the wagons which Paro sent to transport him. So if Shimshon or Fiohar says like this, this was a zenith and accumulation of his life. And, that, and he wants to explain that's why he brought a zevak sacrifice and not an ola. Why zevak? Because a zevak is a family meal. It consecrates the family's home and the table as a temple and an altar, which are generally called shlamim. He explains that an ola, for example, when a person wants to be dedicated to God, absorbed by God. But this is the higher level. This is a type of sacrifice that we eat as a family. And we eat and we drink. He says it's the spiritualization of everyday private life, which is a unique idea in Judaism. So now Yaakov and the 70 souls that are with him are all about to descend to Egypt. And Yaakov's happy because Yaakov thinks that he's going to return back to Israel afterwards. And if you look at the count there, there's really only 69 souls. Some of Fortune would explain that the 70 soul is the soul of God himself. And that's why the verse says, I will go down with you to Egypt. And this is why even Ankylus, who usually tries to change the terms to be symbolic when we refer to Hashem, here he keeps it as physical, as if Hashem himself is going to go down to Mitzrayim. And that's what the Rabbeinu Bachi explains about Ankylus. So now the Orchaim has a difficulty. How can it be that God's presence is going to go to Mitzrayim, to Egypt, when we know that Egypt is the height of impurity, of immorality? How could it be that God's presence is going to be there with the Jewish people? He brings a proof from the Mechilta that says in Exodus 9.29 that Moses had to go out of town, he had to go out of Egypt in order to pray because God's presence wasn't there. So one answer that he gives is that he doesn't really mean that God's presence is going to descend into Mitzrayim. It means that God's going to share in their misery. And he brings a proof from the burning bush that God even descended into a lowly bush in order to connect with the suffering of the Jewish people. That's one answer. But he gives a different answer, which is 
there are many different levels of God's presence. And he brings a proof from the Perkyavos in chapter 3, Mishnah 3. It says, If two people sit together and there are words of Torah between them, the divine presence rests between them. So he wants to explain that that's the lowest level of the divine presence, when two Jews sit together and learn Torah. But there's much, much higher levels which never descended into Egypt. For example, the highest level of God's presence is at Har Sinai, where we received the Torah. After that, the next level was at the Mishkan, where God's presence was, and in the Temple, in the Holy of Holies. After that, you have a level which the average prophet could experience. And then you have the level of God's presence in the synagogue, in the house of the study, where people learn Torah. So he explains that that's the level of God's presence that was with the Jews all the time they were in Egypt. So the Mabam explains this a little bit further, and he brings the Midrash Rabbah from Shmos, that explains that as soon as the Torah was given to Yisrael, God commanded us to construct the Mishkan, the portable temple. And the Midrash explains it with a parable. This is like a king who had an only daughter. A man came and sought her hand in marriage from the king and married her. He then asked the king for permission to return to his native country with his bride. The king said to him, My daughter, who I have given you in marriage, is my only daughter. What can I do? I cannot separate her, because she is my only one. I cannot tell you not to take her, because now she's your wife. Just do this favor for me. Wherever you go, prepare one small room for me, that I may dwell among you. So too God said to Yisrael, I have given you the Torah. I cannot separate from it. So wherever you go, make a house for me, that I may dwell among you. So the Malbim explains, the reason why the Divine Presence joins two people who sit and learn Torah is because God is inseparable from the Torah. The metaphor of the Torah being the king's daughter conveys the idea that the Torah is a derivative of God himself, just like a daughter of flesh and blood. Furthermore, the fact that it was an only daughter tells us that the Torah is the only truth. There is no alternative. So as long as the Jews were in Mitzrayim, keeping the mitzvahs and learning Torah, so they had God's presence with them. I just want to bring down some of the Meforshim here on the Parkyavos that explains what does it mean, God's presence. So Rabbeinu Yosef ben Shushan explains that the Shekhinah Shoraleh Mamish, on people who learn Torah, God's presence is with them Mamish. Really, Kalomar, in other words. They have a Ruach of Sadaka Mishpat. They have the spirit of generosity and the law. Ruach Das V'yira, a spirit of Das, understanding, and Yer Shemayim, fear of God. And the Miri explains, They reach the level of the glory of Hashem. And the Magenovos explains, Hashem loves them as if He's among them. And the Tepharis Yisrael explains, that they're able to see clearly God's interaction in their lives. And this is all the different definitions of what it means to have God's presence in your life. And this is the lowest level of learning Torah, but it's the person feels the presence of God. So he read the verse before that said, Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for I will make of you a great nation there. 
I will go down to Egypt with you, and I will also surely bring you back. So the Beis HaLevi asked the difficulty, why was Yaakov all of a sudden afraid? We saw, according to Rosh Hashim Hirsch, as the verses started out, Yaakov was happy. Then all of a sudden, in the middle here, it says Yaakov is afraid. What was he afraid of? Not only that, we know he shouldn't have been afraid. He knew this was clearly the promise that was promised to Avram Avinu. It says in Bereshis 15.13, And God said to Avram, Know with certainty that your offspring shall be soldiers in a land that is not their own. They will enslave them, and they will oppress them for 400 years. Then the next verse says, And also the nation that will enslave them I shall punish, and afterwards they shall leave with great possessions. So why was Yaakov afraid? Hashem promised that this was supposed to happen, and Hashem promised that he's going to take us out. So the base Levi explains that Yaakov knew from the promise that we're going to go into exile, but he didn't know where. All of a sudden he realized it's going to be Egypt, the most morally corrupt and degenerative society of the time. All of a sudden Yaakov became afraid. He didn't know if his children could withstand the negative and spiritual destructive influences which they were going to be exposed to in Egypt. They might succumb to the enticements of this immoral lifestyle, and therefore they were forfeit their right to redemption. That's what Yaakov was afraid of. Then the verse said, God promised him, surely I will bring them back up. But still we see this fear is real. In other words, how are the Jewish people supposed to survive in such a place? So if you look at verse number 5, which I read before, it says, So Yaakov arose from Beersheba, the sons of Yisrael, transported Yaakov, their father. There you have a shinu in the Lashon, a change in the Lashon. It says, the sons of Yisrael transported their Yaakov, their father. In the same verse, first you're calling him Yisrael, and then you're calling him Yaakov. So, so Avdesta brings a Sforno to explain, at this point they have to become the children of Yisrael, the sons of Yisrael. Why? They have to become a nation of that name. They have to strive with spiritual beings, the men who rise up against them. They're going into a foreign country now. They can't remain on the level of the children of Yaakov. They have to move up to the level of the children of Yisrael. So what does it mean that they have to be the children of Yisrael? So there's two aspects. One is the relationship to the pleasures of this world. And two is the relationship to the suffering of this world. And in Egypt, they're going to be exposed to both. So Rav Dester explains, of course a person has to get pleasure from this world in order that he can approach Hashem with gratitude. If we're not getting any pleasure, we're not going to have gratitude. We're not going to be happy with Hashem. We're not going to serve Him with a full heart. It's the pleasure of this world, if we use them properly, will serve God with a full heart. But the problem was we're going into Mitzrayim. And the question, there's a border in every human being, how much pleasure he really needs in order to serve God. And where his pleasure becomes self-indulgence. And therefore, the Jewish people had to become Yisrael. True that every human being needs pleasure. But they had to be very careful not to become self-indulgent. Because what could have happened? They could have gone down to the 50th level of tumor, of impurity. And at that point, the Jewish people would not have been redeemed. Hashem pulled us out at the last minute. And Rav Deser further says, We too suffer from the destructive influence of our surrounding culture. Strange and distorted values dominate our streets and cities. 
And with what contempt do the proponents of these perverted values look upon us, the bearers of Torah? What effort they expend to persuade us to adopt their twisted viewpoints? Any reader who is prepared to examine the depths of his heart will see to the extent that they have succeeded. This is the Egyptian exile of today. To resist these inroads, we must summon up the reserves of spiritual strength, which is only available to us through the devoted attachment to our holy Torah. In other words, it's true in our day too. If we connect with Torah, we'll have Shekhinah, God's presence. And God's presence will give us the power and the strength to overcome the taivas or the nonsense that's being fed to us. Like we said, if we learn Torah, we'll be able to get the Ruach, the spirit of Sadaka and Mishpat. Ruach, the spirit of Das, of understanding. will be Chaviv, dear to Hashem. It's a spirituality that we get out of the Torah that's going to help us to overcome the test of all the twisted perversions which are pulling at us. That's on the side of pleasure in this world. And then you have the other side of exile, the suffering of the exile. And on this, the Chavetz Chaim explains. It also said in the Navi the same thing. For your sake, I was sent to Bavel. So we learn from this that every place that Yisrael was exiled, the Shekhinah went with them into exile. Not only to Mitzrayim, also into Bavel, also into Rome, also to today. And he says when a Jew experiences troubled times, Hashem is with him in his suffering. Like the verse of Tehillim says, I am with him in distress. And when a Kaddish Baruch Hu sees we're no longer able to bear the difficulties, or that we have returned him with a full heart, he puts an end to the troubles immediately. And therefore, we shouldn't give up hope when we're suffering in exile. He says, In short, we must realize that when a Jew is suffering at the hands of the Gentiles, even in a far corner of the world, Hashem Yisbarak is with him even more than in times of peace and prosperity. Even more, he says. Why? The verse of Tehillim says, Hashem is close to the brokenhearted. And this fits in with the Teferi Sorel said. What's the definition of the Shekhinah, of God's presence being with us in exile? That we're able to see better the Shekhaqa Pratis in our lives. God's presence in our lives. God's interaction in our lives. If the Shekhinah is with us, if we're learning Torah, we're able to see the Shekhaqa Pratis, which helps us to handle the suffering of the Gullis, of the exile. And Rabbi Victor Miller explains, there's specifically a reason why we went into the exile of Egypt. It was not a random occurrence, or even for chastisement. It wasn't a punishment. It was the iron furnace, like it says in the verse. Like a precious metal that needs to become refined. Egypt was especially planned as a preference to Harsinai, to receiving the Torah. And he says this plan was based on the fact that Yosef gained almost absolute power over Egypt. And under his wise leadership, the great nation was enabled to come into existence. Because the verse says, I will make you a great nation. So also understanding that part of our exile is to refine ourselves, to become better people, to have more patience. This also helps us to withstand the suffering of the exile, to realize that it's for our good. And there is another aspect, which Rev. Palm explains, which was in the beginning of our Parsha, which can also help us through the exile. 
When Yosef first revealed himself to the brothers, everything became clear to them. They couldn't understand how their brother would become king over them. But the Midrash says, Hashem said, You said we shall see. That's what they said to Yosef. But I say, we will see whose plan will prevail. Yours or mine. Because nothing can stop the divine plan. Our exile is part of the divine plan. It's the story of the Jewish people. It's the history of the world. It's part of our portion. It brings the Gemara and Sukkah, the story about Shlomo HaMelech. One time Shlomo HaMelech met the angel of death. And he saw that he was downcast. He was depressed. So he asked him, why are you depressed? So the angel of death said to him, I was commanded to take away the souls of your two secretaries. And I haven't been able to do so. So when Shlomo Melech heard this, he tried to arrange an escape for them. He rushed them to the city of Luz, a place where the angel of death has no jurisdiction. But as soon as they reached the gates before they went into the city, the angel of death came and took their souls. The next day, Shlomo Melech again saw the angel of death. And he sees that he's happy. He says, what are you happy about? He says, you brought them to the very place where they were demanded from me. Hashem decreed that I could only take their souls to the gate of Luz. So we see from there that nothing could stop the divine plan. So part of overcoming the suffering of exile is to realize that everything's in God's hands. And the Svasemis also wants to bring a proof in the beginning of the Parsha to a similar idea. The verse says, Yehuda. So it brings the Kedusha Arim who says that the Yehudim, Jews are called Yehudim, from Yehuda, from the name of Yehuda. Now where does the word Yehuda come from? From Hodah, to admit, to acknowledge. So he explains that Jews are people who admit that God is everywhere, even in dark times. Even when we don't see God, we know God is running the world. And the Svasemis learns a drush. It says, V'yigash alav Yehuda. We know the Ariza explains Yehuda really means Hashem. That's Yudke Vavke rain in it. So according to the Rapisha, Yehuda came closer to Hashem. So when things are difficult, we have to come closer to Hashem. So at the end of the day, in order to handle our exile, whether it's on the side of pleasures or whether it's on the side of suffering, Either way, through learning Torah and coming close to Hashem, we can overcome this difficult exile we've been in for thousands of years. But through our tradition, we're able to survive as a Jewish people, and Bezrat Hashem, the Mashiach, will come to redeem us. Here is a powerful So the verse said, Now do not worry, and do not be angry with yourselves, that you sold me here. For it was to preserve life that Elohim sent me here before you. That's what Yosef said to the brothers. So the Magi Meduba brings a mushroom. One time there was a king who had a precious sapphire gemstone, but it had a scratch on it, which took away its beauty and diminished its value. 
So he brought his best polishers and those who work with gems to see if they could fix it. So they explained to them, there's always going to be a flaw in this stone. There's no way to fix it. So one of them said, you know what? I'm going to try to create beautiful, delicate carvings in the stone. If you give me permission, I'll do it. And I'll even include your name to camouflage the scratch. So he did it. He brought it back to the king. And the king's soul is even more beautiful than it was originally. So too with the sale of Yosef. A Kaddish Baruch Hu sold Yosef in order to preserve life. Yosef said to them, do not worry, do not be angry with yourselves that you sold me. For it was to preserve life that Elohim sent me before you. And we learn from this, everything was from Hashem and therefore for the best. It's time for Great Stories About Great Rabbis. So one time there was a Rav who spent much time with Rav Shach and he always davened with him throughout his life. So this man was with Rav Shach in his house one time. And Rav Shach asked him to bring from the bookcase a sefer written by Hagon Rav Ruven Denenberg, one of the great Torah scholars of Lithuania. But he made the request with such excitement that the Rav wanted to understand why the Rosh Shiva was so excited about this particular sefer. So he asked him, but Rav Shach didn't answer. He said, just please get the book. Once he had the book, Rav Shach gave him a key to his safe. This was the safe for all the money that Rav Shach collected for Sadaka. So he said, take the key, open up the safe, and put this book inside the safe. And he was all excited. So again, he wanted to ask him, but he was, Rav Shach was pressing him, please just put it inside the safe. So after he put it in the safe, Rav Shach asked him, are you sure the safe is closed? Yeah, I closed the safe, he said. He says, please go back and check and make sure the safe is locked. So he went back and he checked. Yeah, the safe was locked. So the Rav asked him, what is so important about this safe? So Rav Shach finally answered. He said, one time I saw an important principle there on a sugya in Masechtas Gittin, Tractate Gittin, and I wanted to take a look at it again. But I was afraid that someone might take the safer. So I asked you to lock it in the safe. So that's how one safeguards the Torah, exactly like a treasure in a locked safe. You see from here the importance that the great rabbis gave to every word of Torah. Learn to give, love, and communicate. This is Peace in Your Home. So Rav Moshe Aaron Stern explains how one can influence his family. How can you influence your family without being unpleasant? It brings the Gemara on Brachs that says, Whoever has here Shemayim fear of God, his words are heard. The Gemara in Shabbos 89a says, The Sutton asked after the Torah was given, Where is the Torah? So the question is, What do you mean the Sutton doesn't know where the Torah, Torah was? The Torah was given. The answer is, No, the light of the Torah pushed away the darkness, pushed away the Sutton. He ceased to exist. So if a person is really on the level, his house is going to listen to them. All their objections are going to disappear. It brings a story. One time the prime minister came to a group of rabbis to try to force the students to go to the army. But what happened is the prime minister showed up with other ministers and he forgot everything that he wanted to say to them. So they asked him what happened. So he said... I don't know. I had nothing to say. Their eyes shine with truth, 
and their mouths only uttered truth. I couldn't say anything before them. So we see that the power of the Torah itself can influence. The more Torah you have, the more truthful you are, the more honest you are, you can influence your family. Even Paro, he says. Paro said, is there found someone like this man who is the spirit of Hashem? So how did he know Yosef, who was a slave, had a better interpretation of everybody else? Well, the Chachamim, the wise men. So he just saw it on Yosef. He understood. Just looking at Yosef, he understood that Yosef was on a high level. So if a person really has holiness and fear of God, it's going to spread into his house. And there's a God that in the Breshis it says, nothing is more beloved than a person who fears Hashem. His children see how exacting he is, how he keeps the mitzvahs, how he cares about the mitzvahs, and how he sacrifices himself. All these things are going to influence his household. He tells a great story about one time a child got lost, and he wound up in the house of a government minister. So the minister was asking the boy where he lives, and he wanted to give him a candy. And the boy said, no, it doesn't have a hexer. So the minister says, yes, it does. Look, it has a hexer. But the boy says, no, we only eat padat, erichoretis. So the minister was amazed. And when he came back to the father, returned the child, he said, I, I just wish I was educated that way. But he says it can't be fake. It can't be that the father is makhbid, strict in one area, lean in another area. Because then it's not going to work. It's just fake. So by a person becoming themselves, a geared shemaim, one who fears God, and one who's holy, and one who's exacting in the mitzvahs, it's the best way to influence your house. Okay, that's it for this week's Torah podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Please share it with your friends. It's a big mitzvah to spread Torah. Thank you for listening. To get more enthusiasm for your Judaism, become a free member at globalyeshiva.com.